They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that doesn't always cover clowns, but when we do, Conspiracy Bot seems extra excited. This is Hysteria 51. What can I say? I know what I like. I, I have no response to that, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I am your host on this carnival ride. My name is John Goforth, and alongside is my co-host and the man voted in high school most likely to beat a clown to death, Mr. Brent Hand. No, actually, John, it was most likely to beat a clown in a deaf comedy jam or poetry <sighs> slam. I'm a oh oh kind of like a battle rap def. I can see where you got uh, mistaken on that, but yeah, got it, got easily, it. Uh, your but your mistaken. battle rap game is strong. I'll give you that. I, they say I'm the strongest on the block. It is true, so I have that going for me. The only strongest on the block claim you can make is odor. The mailman won't even come anymore if you are on the porch. I can still hear his screams. Cheese muffins. You know Kyle hasn't been talking as much uh, lately, John. I'm o- actually okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, now his inane ramblings are only moderately annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, if you're new to the show and wondering what the, what the hell the deal is with these robots, well, the dumber of the two is the third host of the show, and he loves to take credit for things he has nothing to do with. His name is Conspiracy Bot, and the higher-pitched voice uh, is Conspiracy Bot's robot minion. His name is Kyle. He likes cheese muffins, and you're going to find that out incessantly. And like we've said so many times, he rarely seems to understand what's going on. Yeah, I think he's he's just one processor short. One processor short. When I finish my clown robot, you'll all be sorry. Right. You, you know, I let you have pretty much any freedom you want. I, I think I'm going to have to put my foot down. My normal-sized foot, not gigantic cartoonish-sized foot down on this one. <laughs> I call that. Shut up, Kyle. And Brand. We'll see if you can stop me. Well, before we get to robots creating more robots, except for extra scary because they look like clowns, let's, uh, speaking of clowns, let's get to tonight's topic, Brent. Yeah, we need to because my, um, before he uses all my grease paint, you know, that's important to me. I don't want him, I don't want him going through <laughs> all my back catalog of grease paint. <laughs> Is that you have a room are? full of grease paint. I don't, I don't, I don't grease pretend paint. to understand that's what it's it. called, right? It's a horrible name. Grease paint. Ugh. <laughs> Not have to. Grease is one of those words that uh, it, it, it sound. I forget. Uh, is it onomatopoeia? The, the words like that sound like what they are. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Anyone want to dangle from my participle? No. Nope. Okay. Moving on. Uh, why? Okay. Why the hell, John? This is the crux of this is the, the focus of this week. Why the hell are clowns so scary or are they scary? You know, I guess that's as good of a question as anything. Are they scary to you? Well, I saw it, so yes, they are. Well, yeah, you either think of a children's party entertainer or fucking psychopathic murderer. Hard stop. There's not a lot of back and forth on that. It seems no, like the middle true. ground uh, was was left for the 1960s housewife putting their kid to watch 
bozo out yeah, there. Yeah, and there was there's there's kind of the psycho killer both in real life and in in kind of fiction. There was what John Wayne Gacy, uh, who was known well, as the killer clown. That's not the fiction clown. side. That's the real life side. PS, that's the real life side. Yeah, home, unfortunately, yeah. killed thirty three dudes. Yeah, uh, and then there's you know there's Pennywise from it, both uh, scary, one supernatural and one just a lunatic. Um, and that, that certainly doesn't help the clown stigma. Well, and then you have the riding the fence of crazy, uh, murderous and still funny killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> you know, one of my, <laughs> that's true. It's, it's, that's tr- it's all spelled with K's. So it's different. And I actually, I loved that growing up. I was yeah. a, uh, I was a big fan of that. That's that when movie. you started encasing people in cotton candy and drinking their blood through silly straws. It doesn't everyone <laughs> guilty. Well, so uh, if they did, if they grew up in the Midwest, they did. <laughs> 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 they do or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Still, yeah. It, it's it's a lot though. Uh, it's a lot to talk about. It's a lot to resent when you look at like the crazy stuff. If you're a clown, you're probably like, you guys are fucking killing me. But why the fear? Brent, there's an actual name for the fear, though I don't believe this is actually recognized by, like, Webster's. Yeah, well. Uh, but the, the cholrophobia is the fear of the un- unreasonable fear of clowns, I, which is funny. I When I read that online, what would, we, what would we name it if it was a reasonable fear of clowns? <laughs> uh, anyway, it I can mean, cause or, uh, who, panic. Who decides if it's irrational or not? Like, is there a committee yeah, I, that eats in, there, like, the head? There's an international board uh, yeah. of certified clown experts who uh, you stand in front of and are right. judged. Like, it's like the uh, the Council of, of Ricks. You're on this panel, but we do not grant you masterhood or whatever the hell they say. <laughs> <laughs> Why, though, you know, we've already touched on a little bit of this. Why is, you know, the evil clowns are prevalent in pop culture. And I think that's a good starting point. However, though, according to researchers, which clown researchers is actually a thing, as we found out uh, in doing research, a lot of people have researched clowns. Uh, There are actual psychological reasons ingrained why we fear clowns. Yeah, and not only psychological reasons, but also historical relevancy. Clowns haven't always been Bozo the Clown, right? Right. And we'll, and we'll get to a lot more of that. We have a guest coming up, uh, you know, a foreshadow. Uh, but uh, one of the reasons that people say that it's clowns crusty, can be scary is the it's makeup. It's crusty, is it? It's can't. <laughs> Did you spring for crusty? This is going to be an expensive cameo. I got a crusty cameo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a short interview. It's about two and a half minutes. <laughs> hey, I heard it's your birthday. All right, I gotta no, let you no, go. No, talk no, to you later. Is, this... <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. It didn't work again. Son of a bitch. That's how we get all the guests for Hysteria 51. We just buy cameos. Right? That's exactly right. <laughs> Nick Nolte will be on next week. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of clowns. We do have a guest though. I'm excited. And yeah, yeah, I'm she's an American excited. living over on the other side of the pond. That's right. So when we come back from break, we're going to be joined by as much of a clown expert as I think you can be. She does what we do, but in a classy way. She talks about the craziness that's out there, uh, clowns and ghosts and, and, and conspiracies, but on places like Smithsonian and yeah, Atlas places Obscura. that are actually respected. I I don't know why she's classing up this gin joint, but I appreciate it. Her name is Linda Rodriguez McRobbie, and while she is American by birth, she lives overseas in the foreign land of Great Britain, all of you 
British listeners. You guys might not know this, but uh, her name, like we said, is McRobbie. She is one quarter McDonald. So that's why we're having her on here, her uh, on her mother's side. Uh, I don't think it works that way. It's not. I don't. I'm not really good at this stuff. <laughs> Genetics was never your thing, <laughs> or genealogy was never your thing. Anyway, well, before we get to her, though. There are a lot of researchers like we, that we are talking about, and they vary uh, the, as far as the reasons we say or they say or we think clowns are scary. Um, and it, it, there's some of the touchstones on it. Uh, one is the makeup. It can actually be unsettling. Uh, it hides not only the person's identity, but also that person's feelings. Think about that, though. You know, the you know, clown, when you see him, sometimes they look sad. Sometimes they look happy. Sometimes they look well, are all the time out and out frightening as hell. It just depends on how you see them. There's there's also a, a, a more, when you, when you reference the makeup and the way they look, kind of a, a really basic reason too. And that it's kind of like if you get bit or, you know, generally scared uh, out of your wits by a dog when you're little, you wind up not liking dogs for a long time. Sure can happen. Yeah. You, I mean, you'll eventually, you can eventually get over it. You meet a nice, you know, whatever. But it's like, it's, things happen when you're little and they get ingrained in you. Well, if you have one bad experience or scary experience with a clown, whether that be watching it, whether that be, you know, just a kind of scary uh, encounter in, in, in you know, going to the circus or whatever. Now, every other clown kind of looks similar, right? They, right, they, right, they, right. The, the makeup and the... And the the big nose and the the hair and all yeah. that and and so like now they're scary yeah. now they're just scary no matter no matter how nice they are they're just scary just like a like, like a dog would be to you yeah I think there's a lot of that too just I mean it's not hard to have one bad clown well experience. and you know you think about this and you don't think probably your subconscious picks up like it's this oversized eyebrows and lips it's this distorted face like it's human but slightly off and i think that's oh, yeah, what's yeah. scary for a lot of people yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I forget what that's called but you're 100 right that it's like common the, fucking sense is how you pronounce it uh, <laughs> is what that is <laughs> there's a, no there's a similar fear um uh, the reason that like uh, cgi really throws people off when it's supposed to be super human like because there's something about your brain just clicks when it's like it should be a human right, but there's right. something off about it um, and I think it's similar to that. Yeah. Like we're saying, that's not the only part. You got the, the whole way they, they dress. They're highly unpredictable. They're a lot of people think of them as mischievous. It puts people on edge. It's not supposed to. A lot of times it's supposed to calm you, but it can do that. And, you know, are they going to squirt you with that, uh, that flower? Are they going to give you a balloon? Which acid are they going to steal know. your soul? Soul valid. <laughs> or steal your soul. Um, or rape and murder it, you and mail bits to their friends and colleagues. That too, that is a, a solid chance. You know, I guess the 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 you know we always reference it not because of the movies that just came out, but because of the the eighties miniseries that we all grew up loving. Yeah, I guess it was nineties. I guess the modern day would be if you watched uh, if you were a kid and you watched uh, Joker. Yeah, well, I like mean, not even modern. It could go, be not so modern, you know. And back Grandma's then. like, "Oh, it's a superhero movie. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> you go, you go watch it, and you walk out and like shell shocked. <laughs> Grandma's hair's all tussled. Like, what just happened? <laughs> well, they say so. People not as smart as us, they call them scientists. They say that these psychological discomforts come; they, they they produce a fear that is then stoked by negative portrayals of clowns in pop culture. These things you're talking about the the Joker and uh, Pennywise, and just insert you know what the bands that dress like crazy clowns and shit like that. Not not ICP. 
they're good. But everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, then, of course, you have the human shit stain. John Wayne Gacy he solidified the idea of the evil clown like, knocking on our doorstep up here in the lower fourth. Right. That trope becomes common in horror movies and books and subconscious <laughs> that's the way that works this all kind of led up to a 2016 poll that found that americans were more afraid of clowns than of terrorist attack or even dying metal wow that is a hell of a statement like are you worried about cancer isis or bubbles <laughs> you know <laughs> bubbles it is it feels like the international clown society or whatever their international consortium is needs like a a, P, a, a good pr firm it's the international clown posse oh lord okay <laughs> i wondered how deep we'd get in before that hit i'm 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 i'm, I'm frankly i'm kind of disappointed brent that that it took till the first break for for icp to come oh, up man i tell you icp is always here in our hearts though john <laughs> all right and so speaking of that it is break time let's let's come back and when we come back let's have someone smarter than us tell us why clowns are so freaking scary to so many people i don't I, I will say this spoiler alert they don't really bother me i don't fall into one really camp or the other but uh maybe that's going to change we'll have you convinced by the end of the episode oh, we'll see all Scared right out of your wits well like i said people smarter than us coming up after the break on hysteria 51 Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor and we use it. Rosetta Stone, they're the most trusted language learning program and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm -hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Someone, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, a today. Nation, we are back. And like we promise you, we are not alone. John, 
For once, I just don't have to stare at you across the <laughs> it's true, it's pandemic true. wasteland that is Zoom. We have our, sh- our show Zoom going, and um, we have our video on this time because uh, it is not just you and I uh, staring into our, each other's soulless eyes. Uh, <laughs> we are joined by a very special guest, Linda Rodriguez-McRobbie. Linda, thank you. Thank you for joining us to talk about clowns today. Thank you so much for having me on. Don't you? This is a resume builder, and I've been on Hysteria 51 <laughs> to talk about clowns. I wrote an article for the Smithsonian, published multiple books, and I was on Hysteria 51. <laughs> hey, I love the opportunity to talk about clowns, so this is totally fine for me. And also, I haven't spoken to anybody I'm not related to in about a week and a half, so this is, no, this is good. Man. We're doing well today. We're Pandemic combined cylinders. with holidays really, really yeah. uh, gives you cabin fever, doesn't it? It's true. I have no idea what day it is. <laughs> yeah. And we were just chatting before we started because you are actually in the UK. Uh, but you're I American. am. Yeah. I, so. I am. There's there's there are a few of us, but we are here living amongst you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we originally reached out um, because you wrote an awesome article that we discovered in our research for this episode about the history and, and psychology of of clowns being scary. And you wrote that for the Smithsonian. Uh, this actually goes back a while, now, back in 2013. And it was so well-written and so well-researched. We thought, you know, let's just have someone who's actually smart as opposed to <laughs> our inane ramblings um, uh, come on and talk to us about the history of the psychology of, of, of clowns being scary. Because it is, it's kind of the, I, I would, uh, kind of the crux or the, um, uh, uh, the main central theme around the, the topic of clowns is they're scary and why are they scary? It's, you know. Um, and, and, and what's the genesis of that? So, but that you are not just a clown expert. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, your writing and how you choose your topics and such. <laughs> I write about whatever I find interesting and I find a lot of things interesting. So, um, I've written about things like really unusual conditions of memory. I've got a book coming out in January called Ouch, Why Pain Hurts and Why It Doesn't Have to. Uh, my co-writer, Margie Kerr, and I wrote about this. And basically, it's about the experience of pain and how this experience is is created both between our bodies and our brains. Um, oh, I've written about princesses. And um, I wrote a big piece earlier this year for The Guardian Long Read about a man who had lived his entire life in an iron lung. So evidently, oh, I only wow. write about stuff that begins with P. So princesses, pain, and polio. <laughs> <laughs> I recently just watched a, an a small documentary on a gentleman who has lived in an iron lung his whole life and just how hard it is to find people that repair and work on them now. Yes. Was it, it, it was, it might've been him, Paul Alexander. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and there's like a small group of people that are like keeping them going and, and yeah. just, it's a, such a, I mean, it's a fascinating piece of technology because it's actually really quite simple. And the fact that it's lasted this long, mm-hmm. I mean, his, the, the lung that he's living in now is a refurbished one, but he had had the same one for more than 50 years. I mean, yeah. he, and it was, um, yeah, it's, it's really quite remarkable how these things work. Well, and luckily it's such a crazy thing that we're not used to. Thank God. Because yeah. people aren't in iron lungs every day now. Yeah. I mean, after the eradication of polio um, in America and in other places, they, they really sort of disappeared from view. I mean, interestingly though, Uh, Over the summer during the sort of height of the COVID crisis, and although (laughs) arguably height is still to come and is now, um, but there was a company that was looking into using the same sort of method of negative pressure to build ventilators for people who were dealing with COVID um, because it, it... 
you can still you can still have your face free. You don't need to yeah, wear you're not like a mask. Face down or or I mean, some of the different types of ventilators, intubated, ventilators yeah, are just yeah, it's crazy to see how they're used. Yeah, and they're really really invasive, and that's actually one of the reasons why Paul didn't want to go because there are other forms of ventilation that are that are more portable than mm-hmm. an iron lung, which is essentially, I mean, it's a it's basically a submarine that yep. he lives yep. in all the time. Um, wow. But it it also those those come with with drawbacks as well, including you know you having something either down your throat or something over your face all the time, things like that. So, so yeah, it was it was a fascinating fascinating story to to do, and it happened at a time to it sort of unfolded during yeah. this crisis um, in ways that were really really interesting. Well, there's so many examples of things that you can look back at through history, the Spanish flu of 1918 being the obvious one, but other things like polio and and that and that and the genesis of, you know, Salk coming up with that vaccine. And so many things that we look to in history that we that were a historical footnote before this pandemic to most Mm -hmm. of us because we weren't paying attention. Um, But now it is so much more um, so much more interesting to everybody involved. And and speaking of interesting, we, we always talk on this show about uh, the world of the weird, and that's kind of the basis for this show. And, you know, looking through your bylines, uh, you have written about the world of the weird. You uh, Some some more uh, more normal articles uh, for the Boston <laughs> Globe. Uh, and uh, when I say non-normal, I mean that as a compliment, not any other way. But you've written some non-normal stuff for Atlas Obscura, uh, for the Smithsonian, even for a Mental Floss, which we're big fans of here. What uh, what gets you into kind of this world of the weird stuff? Do you just stumble on topic by topic or do you go in search of the um, of the weird? I think I mean, I think it's a bit of both, you know, by having some sort of broad interest and being really interested in a lot of different things. You kind of rub up against a lot of, of new and sort of world of the weird stuff. So like one of my kind of favorite sources is a guy here who's the who was the head of the anomalistic psychology department at Goldsmiths University here. And talking to him, like you just have a conversation with him and all this really fascinating stuff comes out, you know, so that coming into things like the satanic ritual abuse panic and UFO abduction stories and, and all of these sort of things. So whenever I have a conversation with somebody, I'm usually left with about five more ideas or rabbit holes (laughs) that I want to go down. Um, And of course, like, you know, as soon as you start looking into something, there's always something more that comes out Mm -hmm. and in different ways. And, and yeah, I I mean, I just, I'm, I'm so, you know, there's just a lot out there in the world. People always say to us, they say, how do you guys still have topics? Are you running out of topics? Good Lord, no. You know, it's like you said, they they come to you and and we have a spreadsheet that we work off of all the time. And I think we have at any time 400 and some extras we've not even touched yet. They're just always growing. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's just endless amounts of, of information and stories and, and sort of stuff out there to, to mine in ways that, you know, there's stories that need to be told in, in various places. I did actually get to write about alien abductions for um, the Boston Globe. So that's even oh, awesome. Go. Yeah. And monster trucks. <laughs> you you wrote a my, my, very similar, same story. Very similar. <laughs> Two different stories. They, oh, okay. A lot of times hoping, they affect was... the same group. And the, you know, no, I don't. I'm you know, I... <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's good times. I love both of them. And Linda, you wrote a great book. I've only skimmed, um, so I shouldn't. Uh, but I, he's I, not good everything with I read reading. Was really That's why. It's not because he's not into it. He's just. 
it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Princess is behaving badly. Came back, uh, came out back in t- 2013, and it is it is right up my alley. It, it's stories uh, of weird, weird stories from history. Um, yes. I used to work at a, a, a company called How Stuff Works, and oh yeah, uh, and and just just uh, right up my alley with that kind of stuff. What uh, tell me? Tell us a little bit about what the genesis of that book. So don't don't feel bad if you haven't finished reading it yet, because my husband hasn't finished reading it yet either. <laughs> so that's okay. Fair enough. That one actually, that was an idea that Quirk, who I'm sure you're aware of the publishers, they, they're fantastic. Yeah. Like they do loads of wonderful stuff. Um, but they, because of my work through Mental Floss, they had, um, uh, had an interest in working with me on something and we kind of came up with this project together. They had a couple ideas, but this was the one that we ended up going for. And, and it was such a sort of rich seam of stories to talk about princesses. And what I enjoyed about that was being able to kind of loosely use the term princess to encompass a lot of really different and interesting narratives. And I have to say though, like, I feel kind of bad about it because for a couple of years after having written the book, I was like, people would be like, Oh yeah, you, you know, I hear you, you've got a book coming out. And I was like, yeah, it's about princesses. Like I, like I made it, <laughs> I tended to downplay it in a way that was really doing a disservice to me and to the women that I wrote about, you know, I was sort of like, Oh, princesses, but it's really actually a lot of, there's a lot of stories there. There's a lot of story that's, that's, you know, full of, of people, princesses and women doing good things and bad things and, and bad things that's the yeah that's the uh, hard part about it you can't just say they're just badass women because uh well i wouldn't want to call you know someone who murdered people badass but yeah, uh, uh, yeah there's the, there's uh both ends of the spectrum there yeah like being you know like if you're <laughs> if you end up in assassin's creed later then maybe maybe <laughs> maybe badass maybe i don't know but like number of them did <laughs> which one was in assassin's creed i'm an assassin's creed player uh lucretia borgia was in it it, which she, now? Which uh, which? What time period is she from? She um, was a Renaissance princess who oh. was well. You so there was a program also on HBO, I think, the Borgias that was all sort of about because they were very like nefarious, infamous oh, fam- family. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, there's like this is one of those things where I read the word a million times, but I've never heard it someone say it out loud, and so I have no I idea. I hope how it's I'm saying it right because there's a lot of those words in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> one word that we do know how to pronounce now. This is a transition, Brent. Is clowns? Hey. Oh yeah. But do you know how to pronounce colrophobia? We <laughs> we do, and not only do we do we know how to pronounce it, I write it out phonetically so that we would actually say it correctly. So we Col, it right. like C-O-A-L, <laughs> rah. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a tough one. <laughs> so, Linda, you know, you, you wrote a great article about it. If anyone wants to read it, it's at smithsonian.com. Um, You'll have the, a link to it in our show notes. So you can it'll it will be in the show notes, yeah. Um, what, let's start with the the history of clowns because they are not a modern invention. No. So pretty much every culture has had a clown like character. Um, These tend to be sort of mischievous. They tend to be the, the characters um, and, and you know, the, the, that appear in stories that appear in ritual that appear in kind of people getting together and having some kind of communication um, that are able to, sort of shine a funhouse mirror kind of thing like they're they they reflect society but they also are figures of mischief they are sort of lords of misrule they're kind of like Tricksters. the loki yeah trickster like and most cultures have something like this um and so they've been around for a very long time and 
in terms of the theatrical tradition or in terms of sort of how we think of clowns, that's a slightly more modern invention. Um, but the character, the figure of this kind of slightly anarchic, um, mischievous, impish character has has been around forever, basically. I didn't realize that. I'm, I'm, of course, the medieval kind of take on it from court jesters very well aware of if you've ever looked at a, uh, a deck of tarot cards, you know, the, uh, um, you've got the, the Joker. I, you mentioned in the article ancient Egypt, uh, yes. and, and they had, they had their own version of clowns. Mm-hmm. Yep. And ancient China had their own version of clowns. Ancient Rome had their own version of clowns called the stupidest. <laughs> the stupid, um, that were, the, were obviously the, uh, I would, I would, I would surmise the, the kind of genesis of the word stupid. Uh, (laughs) that that, that was their stock fool in 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 so many of the dramas right right i mean native american traditions also have a clown-like character so um really it's very kind of deep in in how we tell stories to have a character who can be disruptive and these also you know they have different kind of cultural meanings and interpretations and uses you know in some cultures especially ones that are very feudal or very hierarchical um very top-down organized these tend to be the only people the only characters who can point out where things are bad um to poke fun at to to sort of be the you know i'm thinking of king lear and and mm-hmm. and you know there's mm-hmm. jester there so there's the fool those kinds of characters and and there are there are other uses as well and i think you know the there's there's just a lot of use out of a character who can shine light on the cracks and and right. do it in a way that people enjoy and and have fun with but are also a little bit kind of intimidated by i mean because if you think about like when you go to stand-up comedy which i don't because i have a fear of stand-up comedy <laughs> it, there's a sense of you know you might get made fun of you might be in right. the in the bright light and so people enjoy that kind of uncomfortable tension of what's going to happen next when when you have a character like that kind of unleashed onto the stage and and I suppose also the uncomfortable tension of having the mirror uh, put up to your face. You know, you, yeah. you know, we see our some of especially in the the older versions the worst traits of uh, of humanity. You know, the the drunken, uh, bumbling buffoon, and and that that actually brings us to kind of the more modern day clowns. Uh, you spent some some time uh, in your article talking about Grimaldi. Um, yes, one, one name that that some of us might already be aware of, but uh, really thought of as as the you know, the, the, the proto clown, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Kind of gave birth to what we think of, or the, the entertainer, the circus clown, the, the, the right. person, I mean, he was, he was a, a stage clown, but it's kind of gave way to the modern day of thinking uh, right. of how we look at clowns. So Joseph Grimaldi um, from you know, sort, of, sort of the early 1800s up to about 1830, he really transformed the notion of what a clown could be in the theatrical tradition. So before him, you could have a clown character and they would be sort of this yokel or like a rustic, sort of, you know, maybe drunk, maybe, maybe wanting to, you know, have sex a lot, that, that sort of thing, like very lusty. Um, And they were sort of silly buffoon characters. And he was one of the first who put on the makeup, who transformed into something kind of more otherworldly. And he was also the first to really marry the physical slapstick comedy to this kind of character. Um, but at the same time, he really sort of set the mold. And 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 a lot of the the um, sort of fault for this actually lies with Charles Dickens, who wrote his memoirs after 
after Grimaldi died. Yeah, the the Pickwick Papers, right? He, yeah. So he wrote the Pickwick Papers, and in the Pickwick Papers, there's a character, uh, a sort of dissipated, drunken clown character that you encounter. But after that, Dickens um, took Grimaldi, because Grimaldi was incredibly visible and popular. I mean, he was a real celebrity. There was, was something like an eighth of London had probably seen him on stage at the time that he was alive. Wow. Um, so it was, you know, that's not really, on TV, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, 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 and, right. And we're also talking about a time in London's history, too, where it's expanding dramatically. So the, this is a big population we're talking about. Like, a lot of people would have seen this. Um, and he, and so Dickens really kind of took, now, it is true that Grimaldi's life was pretty, pretty grim in a lot of ways. Um, by the end of his life, he had uh, he had lost his son who who died essentially of alcoholism. Um, he was himself an alcoholic. He had been in this theatrical world for for so long, um, and had been sort of really pushed on the stage by his father. So he had a lot of like a lot of stuff going on there to unpack. Didn't they say that the slapstick comedy, the physical nature of his comedy, was so overwhelming to his body that he essentially was unable to. Uh, do a lot of like normal tasks because of how hurt you see that a lot with even after that early performers actors for television look at the people that wore prosthetics for monsters and things like that and then ended up completely destroying their bodies for their craft yeah it's it's a crazy time yeah absolutely i mean he he really he hurt himself you know and, and this was you know he was left disabled by this and and at one point he joked i am grim all day but i make you laugh at night and that the fact that everybody kind of recognized that he had such a sort of terrible life but that he could go on stage and present this character and make people laugh and and you know sort of bring it out of that It, it was dickens though who who really established this narrative that in order for him to be funny he had to be in this pain during the day it was this sort of like he earned okay. his laughs by mining this this dark space, and 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 it was this sort of or you know it it, it was this kind of uh, transaction that like you know he paid for the laughs with his own body kind of thing, very Dickensian. We have such a, a famous person like this, like you said, an, an eighth of of London at that time had seen him. You know, he's a, a celebrated figure. How do we go from that something so prolific to where we are now, where we have clowns dressing up and scaring people and John Wayne Gacy murdering people and insane clown yeah. posse singing and, you know, the Joker. <laughs> is, yeah. You know, yeah. all this. How do you get from something that is so prolific to something that has become a caricature of itself almost? So I think a lot of what happened So Joseph Grimaldi was um, he, he, this was not entertainment for children. Right. And in fact, right. there wasn't a lot of entertainment that was specifically for children, even Punch and Judy shows, which, you know, now we, we would very much identify as being for children are, you know, they, they, they come from a dark place. So yeah. up through the end of the 19th century, clowns could be both. Clowns were not required to be fun for children. They right. didn't mm-hmm. need to be this kind of innocent thing that that by the 1950s they had become. And even in the 1930s, you know, you had characters like Weary Willie who you know, were coming from this kind of tragic Depression era sort of environment that that produced this kind of you know they're they're sad but funny but sad because everybody's life was sad but funny but sad in some ways. And so 
it wasn't really until the 1940s and 50s and 60s that clowns had become entertainment almost solely for children. A lot of that had to do with television, um, with Bozo right. the Clown, with, yeah. um, you know, Clarabelle the Clown. So by the 1950s, you have this, this sort of very established, also with, with the birth of uh, circuses. So by that yeah, time, yeah. too, by the end of the 19th century um, and in the beginning of the 20th century, you have more circuses and circuses in America, the three-ring circus, you know, they become a big thing. And it, 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 it slowly morphs into that the clown is entertainment for children. And that becomes the sort of that really becomes a kind of turning point for a lot of people. And once the clown didn't get to be also naughty, but had to mostly be for children, had to be this sort of infantilized version of what it had been before, it becomes really fertile ground as a character for horror. Because once right. once something is is in the mask and wearing the makeup, and is presenting a face that could be innocent, that could be pleasant, that could be fun... Um, it becomes, you know, perfect right. fodder for nightmares. <laughs> it also follows the narrative. This might not be fair. And mm -hmm. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. But it also follows the narrative of once America gets a hold of something, we bastardize it, <laughs> we homogenize it, we we ruin it. You know, I I mean, try to it, wring out that everything be, that's good out of it. So <laughs> you know. Exactly. I mean, and that could be something as simple as like the memes where you see the picture of a large soda uh, in America versus, you know, around the world. Yeah. Um, down to you know uh, uh, you know some of the some of the more popular characters that weren't originally American that that, that when those characters uh, when there was some sort of new telling of the story in the Americanized version it's again it's Disneyized it's it's McDonaldized it's 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 just you know uh, just not great now I, I'm not saying I necessarily subscribe to that narrative certainly for everything but do you think that the uh, American pop culture is is the reason for the change in what a clown was? Um, to some degree, I would say yes. And I, and part of that is also bolstered by the fact that in other cultures, the clown is still more or less a figure of fun. So, um, mm. this is, this is actually a really important point that I, that I wanted to really bring up is that a lot of what we talk about when we talk about scary clowns is something in English speaking culture in Western American culture. That's also kind of filtered down over, over here in the UK, in other places, so there have been a number of studies that demonstrate that um, the the, the studies that seem to demonstrate that that children do well with pe with clowns in pediatric hospitals, that it leads mm -hmm. to a reduction of, of symptoms or preoperative anxiety, things like that. Yeah, that was something you talked about. That's fascinating to me that that's yeah. so different than what we are, at least how I think children right. are going to be like, oh my God, stay away. There's even a more recent study that came out in 2020 um, that was a sort of meta study of a number, a, a literature review of a number of studies that some, seemed to sort of back this up as well, that um, this idea that that clowns have a, hospital clowns have a beneficial purpose. And those also were done in other countries. So most of the research is coming from other countries that that where clowns are still a figure of fun and 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 clowns do still have that. I mean, you know, one of the things that really struck me when I was writing this piece is that the, the people who who want to be clowns are not doing it because who want to be clowns and want to entertain people and make people laugh and make children feel good and that sort of thing. They're not doing it because they want to scare people. They're doing it because right. they want to bring people joy. Um and and so you do really see that like I, I and I so again the kind of 
bigger takeaway is that this is also a, a cultural overlay. It may be that America did uh, take the clown and turn the clown into a, a figure of, of real fear um, by putting it into scary settings. But that also works really well, right? Like it's very successful. You know, when there are real stories like John Wayne Gacy being the, mm. the killer clown um, and, right. uh, you know, there are those kinds of stories in the social narrative. But then you also have this kind of, I'm not certain if it is an American obsession, but we do like to to mine darkness in light places. And my favorite example in, in working on this was the poltergeist story. I mean, poltergeist was brilliant at taking the most banal of things, this California suburb that is supposed to be just completely anodyne and completely safe and turning it into something really, really, really scary. Right. And now can you ever look at one of those clowns and not be just absolutely terrified of it? Something yeah, that you I mean, or, would find or, you up know. until then in a child's bedroom. <laughs> yes. You, you mentioned in Poltergeist, you know, the other, it, like another another um, trope that is scary today, but wasn't before that. That's such a good point. White noise. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. The, the, the television just with the static and the white noise. Like what that is. If I'm just sitting alone in a dark room and that's on TV, I'm creeped out today. Yeah. I mean, fried chicken ruined for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, I think that brings us to probably the, the, the penultimate question as it comes to clowns. Uh, we understand the history now. Uh, we understand some examples, but you know, we even understand the, the cultural context, but the, 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 the question at its heart is what's your favorite ICP song is what he's getting at. Is exactly <laughs> what I'm getting at. Um, what, Insane what, brain. Um, always. What, the only one I know. The, but, but why are, why, why is it, why is it so effective? Because uh, no matter how scary I, I would want to make, I don't know, Tarzan or some other, mm -hmm. you know, character that isn't it, 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 traditionally scary um, no matter how like it wouldn't be as effective. Why, why do you think that it's such an effective uh, use of clown to be scary? Well, I think there's really two parts to this. One is that you probably could make Tarzan scary. Like you, you really, you know, it, it, it is possible to make almost anything scary. Um, but what makes clowns really successful is that they've always had this sort of undercurrent of darkness. And part of that is derived mm -hmm. from the fact that, they are a character that can get away with a lot of things. I mean, even, you know, even John Wayne Gacy mm. pointed that out when he said, when he's getting arrested and he says, you know, clowns can get away with murder, which is literally the creepiest thing ever anybody <laughs> has ever, ever said. And we're done. Ever. Here's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, so you have a character who is socially permitted to get away with a lot. Um, you also mm -hmm. have a character that from the 19th century on, was wearing a mask, has their face painted. And it's very difficult to read emotions from someone when you can't really see their face. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that really kind of messes up. That that also sort of falls into the kind of uncanny valley area, which, you know, when when facial expressions aren't genuine or don't match up what they think that we sh we should be seeing, um, that really that really messes us you up. You just said uncanny valley and that made me think of something that they were we were talking about the uncanny valley on our facebook group this week and someone said uh, the, the thought of uncanny valley makes us think that somewhere in our evolution we learn that if something looks and feels human but isn't we should fear it 
And that's a terrifying thing to think of it when you think of it that way. Like if it's a learned evolutionary response uh, to, well, to well, fear what something. It, what it really it is, um, in part, it is a little bit of that because basically yep. your brain. Wait, why don't we define that shortcut. for everybody listening? Yeah, so Uncanny Valley, so I've read about uh, dolls, too. <laughs> Why dolls are scary. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yes. So the Uncanny Valley basically sort of describes a curve where um, the closer something gets to being human-like, the the kind of more creeped out, w- w- like, it's more like a like a bell curve where it kind of goes mm-hmm. up and then down again. So it's like, you're okay oh, with it, you're like, I like it, good. I like it, I like it, I like it, yeah. too, too and real, fuck well, this, yeah, I hate too, it. Not, yeah, yeah. Um, Brent, that's what we were talking about uh, in the intro. That's the uh, that's the the CGI getting too real, right? Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. it's also the CGI not being real enough because Dead you eyes see that and things in, like that. Yeah, yeah, like Polar Express, which I've never been able to bring myself to watch. Never seen it. it same, same, same. Yeah, it's it's a bit too much. But but there are there's you know are very successful examples of when. Uh, I mean, I would say I think that Tintin was actually a pretty good successful example of how CGI could work in that motion capture vein. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, it, but so it's, it's, it's really, it's kind of a tightrope really. Like it's, it's a bit, you know, stray too far on either side of trying to right. be too human or not human enough. Um, and, and you, you just, you don't hit it right. And it's because we're sort of, we are finally attuned to what a human should look like. But at the same time, this is partly because evolutionarily your brain needs shortcuts, right? You can't always be assessing something and trying to figure out what it is. And so you've got, you've got cognitive shortcuts. This is why we see faces in parking meters. It's why we see faces in trees. Uh, Or why we have the, nope, don't like that. You don't know why. It's like, nope, I'm I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, you, in order to have survived this long, like we need to be able to, to sort of keep our resources on the things that we need them to be on. And those include our cognitive resources. Um, so, you know, being able to identify a face very quickly is evolutionarily preferred, but it also right. means that it kind of messes up when we, when we want to read emotions from stuff. And we also, we read emotions from people and, and we need that. I mean, that's, that's important. Like if, you know, if you are, settling in for a nice meal with your with your tribe and all of a sudden you hear shouting you need to know that that that's either a joyful shout because mm-hmm. someone's really happy or there's a a raiding party coming to set your house on fire so right you know we need that i think the big thing that that blows my mind and the big takeaway in this is even though clowns have evolved the way they have the way we look at them the way they've changed throughout history we the proverbial everyone we <laughs> might look at them now as this this scary, terrifying thing. As you said, children that are sick in hospitals, going into surgery and stuff, they still have that innocence, and it still can be this thing where it's saving lives. It's making f- people feel better yeah. because they haven't been exposed to the same negative reinforcement maybe that we have been for one way or another. Yeah, and I think I think that's really the kind of – the thing that's happened in a lot of Western culture is that clowns – because there were there were so many images, especially starting from the 1980s on, of scary clowns, kind of it, itself a reaction to the infantilized clown of the 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, sort of mining that dark territory. That more images of scary clowns are put into this kind of media cycle, so more people are afraid, and then that makes more images, and and all, and and you sort of have this this ever kind of growing cycle where more negative images of clowns are replacing positive images of clowns. And that that was certainly something that um, a lot of people that I talked to for this story 
talked about is that, you know, you're, we're reaching a point where there are more scary clowns than there are positive clowns. And that said, there are still positive images of clowns in some places. Although like my kids are watching Captain Underpants, um, the show on, <laughs> on Netflix, which is actually really, really funny. Um, but <laughs> there's like, there was like a scary clown in it. And, and there's this sort of like tension between it being like a funny, scary clown, but you know, so you have like, you know, and also like Krusty the Clown characters like that. So um, <laughs> you have these kinds of, we, we've kind of entered a really interesting territory with the clown as a scary character where it's, it's a bit more nuanced than it's just killer clowns it's from killer. outer space. Yeah. Right. And it, I, I guess that that coupled with the decline of circuses in general for myriad of reasons that we don't have time to, to talk about today, there's also a lack of that of the positive experience that we all had, you know, growing up. I mean, I certainly went to the circus growing up and and those positive experiences don't exist anymore. So unless someone is literally creating new stuff with with the uh, the non scary clown or the fun clown, um, the, the newer generations are only going to be left with the the exposures that they have. <laughs> Although there are also I mean, that is absolutely true. And, and I think that's that's the case. I think there are also some interesting directions that clowning has taken in the same way that there are interesting directions that the circus has taken through places like Cirque du Soleil. That's obviously the biggest oh, one, yeah. but like um, here in London, back when I used to you know, go places before I had children, there were some really <laughs> cool sort of artistic interpretations of circuses that were on, um, you know, like at the dance, one of the sort of big dance venues, they had this amazing show that was put on by a Swedish circus that sort of, it was very narrative. It took a lot from Cirque du Soleil, but also had its own stuff. And it's just, so it's, it's, it's definitely evolving. And I think clowns can take that as well and are taking that as well. You know, so they're still like, so, so, you know, sometimes if you go again, back when people used to go places, um, you know, you can still see people doing some of the things that are traditionally associated with clowns, but with less of the makeup, for example, you know, maybe just a red nose. So I think that's happening. The craziest story, just going off on a tangent that I have. Um, so I live right outside of Chicago, and we have. Um, I live right next to Showman's Rest, is where I've uh, actually taken John to. Showman's Rest, if you're not familiar, um, back in 1918, uh, 86 members of the Hagenbach Wallace Circus were killed in a, a, a train accident. Oh and my gosh. They, brought them to showman's rest and there's this mass burial grave each of them a lot of them they didn't even have they didn't even know who they were it was such a bad so they just have numbers there's all so every year up until last year they stopped international clown week did a festival of clowns in the cemetery so oh, when golly. you drive by there's just a sea of clowns scattered throughout a cemetery entertaining children it is the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life that's that's amazing and and so it actually they 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 quit in 2019 maybe 2018 but it had been going on for decades and it is a crazy crazy thing just to i thought it was a joke when i moved here i drove by and i saw 100 clowns in a cemetery and i thought that's tasteless like what are you then i found out it's a real thing and people bring their families and I'm still a little a on the fence with right. it, you know? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, because like here, you know, um, every year since I think 1959, they've done the um, the 
clown service at the church near where Joseph Grimaldi is buried. Um, and clowns go to a, oh, a wow. church service mm-hmm. dressed in full clown regalia. I, and I mean, it's still, it's still going on as far as I know. I, I mean, I think it's interesting too, like my reaction to clowns in a cemetery is, is in some ways, I think a bit American in the sense that like, Ooh, cemetery, scary area, right, but actually, right. you know, especially living here where cemeteries are like, they're just, there are cemeteries everywhere. Um, and mm-hmm. you, you just simply, they just are. So I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a kind of maybe, maybe kind of easing that cultural fear of death, right. which I think is really yeah. other cultures do better at it. Right. Well, and it's also a little weird when you're, you're walking through and you're reading the headstones and it's like flippy, laughy, <laughs> unknown mutilated oh. male number 12. That's how they're literally put on there. And you're like, oh, go on. And then there's a guy juggling behind there. You know, you're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm feeling something. (laughs) That's that's a lot. And I think that's good, Larry. Like, I, I, you know, I like the mixing of of emotional states. I think that's that's good. And that is how they're marked. Some of them had names. Some of them are just, you know, unknown burned female number nine. Oh, golly. Oh, my goodness. Well, (laughs) that's um, Place I want to go but visit. the good news is that w- <laughs> when they do cemetery. congregate, it's <laughs> <laughs> the good news is when they do congregate, it is a celebration, uh, and and I, I think that's a a good a good cap to to the clown story. <laughs> um, but Linda, before we let you go, what are you what are you working on now? You mentioned you have a book coming out. Tell us tell us more. Um, yeah, so the I've got a book coming out um, with my writing partner, Marky Care. It's a it's called Ouch: Why Pain Hurts and Why It Doesn't Have to. Um, it'll be out here in the UK on January twenty first, and in the US, I think I want to say it's like March thirtieth or something along those lines. Um, the I tell you, I'm not excited because Patrick Swayze told me pain don't hurt. So <laughs> you know, I just I, is that from Roadhouse? That is from um, Roadhouse. Yeah, <laughs> John has it tattooed uh, across both of his biceps. So yeah, I, I mean, and I did that hurt myself. when you got it done? Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's I was a, crying of the irony. <laughs> I'm trying to like I t- tend to try to channel what we thought about in the book and what we wrote about in the book most of the time because you know. Living is painful, right? So, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, I think it's really appropriate too that it's coming out in January here because evidently, um, there was one study that, that demonstrated that people associate the month of January with pain more than any other month. Wow. <laughs> Those make sense. Maybe it's because they're, they're doing their diets and trying to, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the holidays are over. So all the celebratory stuff, right. but it's still, co- it's cold. It's nasty. It gets dark early. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is why we have wholeheartedly uh, started to celebrate Burns Night because it's at the end of January yeah. and it's a much nicer way. Like it's, it's good to have something to look forward to, especially if it's whiskey. <laughs> so It's a gr- great, great. Well, point. not, not to keep yeah. bringing up the TV shows, but existence <laughs> is pain. Mr. Meeseeks has taught us that from Rick and Morty too. So and that's true. You know? That's true. Existence is pain. <laughs> See, and you, like life is pain, princess from uh, Princess Bride. Like, there's, there's a lot. There is, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if they want to read more of your articles, uh, you have your own website, LindaRodriguezMcRobbie.com, and I am the only Linda Rodriguez McRobbie, as far as I know, in the world. So you can't, but I am definitely not the only Linda Rodriguez in the world. There's a lot of us. But the only Linda Rodriguez McRobbie, as far as I know. Um, And unfortunately, I have not updated my website in a very long time, but you can definitely still find stuff that I've written there as well as I'm on Twitter um, at Linrod, I believe. 
uh, and I tend to be a bit more, a bit better at published posting stuff that I've written posting there. Stuff. Well, if anyone wants to follow you, you can find all the links. We'll have them in our show notes. So guys, just pop awesome. down there and you can find them. And read about princesses and pain, which go hand in princesses, hand. Princesses, right? pain, polio, yeah. anything else that begins with platypus. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't written about platypus <laughs> yet. Maybe, maybe next. We'll see. <laughs> Well, Linda, thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to have you back to talk about more World of the Weird stuff that's maybe not clowns. <laughs> Happy to. Got lots of it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate it. Nation, we'll come back to, to put a bow on this clown surprise that we've given you this week. Uh, that's next on Hysteria 51. Clown surprise. That is a wild surprise. It makes it sound like you're going to jump out of a cake. Oh, John, are you ready? Because we're headed to the cemetery to do some clown shenanigans. We already did <laughs> well, that. Uh, they never he, heard that episode. Uh, we did that for another project we were working on, but we've yeah. literally been there. We've literally yeah. You were the, the the place you were talking about. What's it called again? Woodlawn Cemetery and Showman's Rest is what Showman's the actual, Rest. That yeah, part we, of we it went there Showman's and we were working. We were working on a uh, a TV project. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, they didn't come to fruition, but uh, we TV we, we project did all... that didn't come to fruition. Number one thousand two hundred sixty-three. <laughs> Not really, but uh, it seems like it. <laughs> well. um, but we've made we've made dollars on it. I mean, dollars. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the the it was really cool walking around there and seeing and seeing all of that. And and again, big thanks to Linda uh, for joining the show as well. She was great. Yeah, she was. She was a lot of fun. And even though she's in Great Britain, we won't hold it against her. You know how that goes. <laughs> I said, you realize like 30% of our listeners are in the UK, right? Yeah, that's why I have to, you know, give them shit. <laughs> we only kid the ones we love. <laughs> I hate everyone, so that doesn't really fly with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see, but I just got to thank you for being quiet uh, uh, while Linda was on and not ruining the show. It's all good. I just spent the time thumbing through your extensive ICP vinyl collection, John. <laughs> I didn't even know they had vinyl. Uh, good on you, John. Is that the Fago collection? Is that what they call that? Yes, yes. It is disquieting when Seabot is silent. It's kind of like when if you have a kid, I have a kid uh, or a dog, and and they're in the other room and they're not making any noise, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, well, what are they up to?" Same thing with Lisa. That's exactly how <laughs> I live my life. I have not heard her in fifteen. Oh shit, she's shopping online. Uh-oh. Oh, oh god, <laughs> just wait for Amazon. So Brent, we didn't hit every famous clown. There's some that we didn't that we didn't mention yet. Yeah, like Sideshow Luke Perry. Uh, rest in peace. He was literally one of Krusty's Sideshow. Uh, oh, yeah. that's right. His, it was his stepbrother, I think. Well, speaking of that, we did touch on also Krusty. You can't think of clowns and not mention Krusty, which we that's did. Right. But man, that's right. what a prolific thing that he's got. Uh, you know, it's like the sad, uh, uh, pathetic. Not scary, of- just disappointing. No, no. <laughs> Maybe um, Krusty Burger may be a little bit scary, but otherwise, yeah. Now that's true. And speaking of Krusty Burger, the the um, I suppose the origin of that Ronald McDonald, right? And I, outside of that, we 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 would be remiss not to speak a little bit more on Bozo because we're in the Chicagoland area. Back in the day, if you wanted to get your kid on Bozo, it was a minimum ten year wait. So people would be like, "I'm going to have a child in about three years." I better start putting my name in for Bozo tickets now. <laughs> Literally, wow. that is how 
long the wait was just to be in the audience to see that's the Bozo crazy. show. Bozo that's crazy. and Cookie and I forget. I actually used to watch it from time to time. Oh, I watched it. I watched it growing up all the time. Um, obviously the best was the grand prize game. Grand prize, prize game. game. New hundred dollar bill in that last bucket. <laughs> oh, and the um, what was it? The 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 ra- the radio flyer. Yeah. So they bring it out with full of prizes. Yeah. That was like their thing. And I wonder if you got to keep the radio flyer. I hope so. Oh, I, I think they did. Be a I definitely skate, think they you did. bastard. I, I'd be pissed if they didn't. And then, and then uh, a little bit later on, they actually came out with the grand prize game ticket game uh, that you could play in like arcades. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, it was not a real representation of the grand prize game. The buckets were much closer, mm-hmm. but uh, right, I remember right. seeing Well, it. and then the, I mean, you also the guy that we had at your, your sixth birthday, Pogo, he was pretty fun. That, that, that is not true. That is not true. <laughs> So yeah, you, that's that was the name of John Wayne Gacy's clown alter ego. John Wayne Gacy, you can look. He was a painter. He did a lot in prison and things like that. And some of them aren't bad. I wonder how expensive a John Wayne Gacy original. Oh, I, it, it's that's great. It's it's like Hitler paintings. Like who wants that? You know? I know. Well, I'll tell you who. Zach Baggins. He's the one who bought like the the painting of. Charles Manson painting where they used Charles Manson's blood in the ink. And I was like, I wonder, number one, why you would want that. Number two, what would something like go like that go for? It was like two grand, two or um, four. I was like, wow, that's way less than I thought I was going to go for. Yeah, I mean, the, the weird shit that, you know, you you shouldn't want to contribute to, that's always the stuff that goes for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I got outbid right. on that one in the last minute, and I was pissed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Brent, before we wrap here, I know we're going long. Um, you, you had brought up uh, one other se- series of clown tales that I, th- I definitely think is worth hitting on. And that was a few from a few years back, the scary clowns that ran out of nowhere. Yeah, the 2016, I guess we could call them the clown sightings. The clown yeah. uh, incidents. It was a weird one, really. Not that they don't happen in other years, but in 2016, it the U.S. was sparked in this hotbed of eyewitness accounts of, and not only eyewitness, tons of videos of children, adults, people driving, walking, doing things, and clowns coming out of the darkness out of nowhere and chasing them. Not just like, show, like physically chasing them. Yeah, it really strange. And then it reports from children that clowns were also hanging out around schools mm-hmm. and parks and trying to coax them out of the woods with promises of money or candy. Right. Shit, I would have gone in a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually would have felt bad for the clowns at that point. Those poor fucking clowns. He comes back. The clown's like, oh, man, it's it's really dark and scary in here. And Seamon's like, how do you think I feel when I'm going to have to come out here back on my own? <laughs> <laughs> That's like an old joke about me. Anyway, uh, terrible. Yeah. And it wasn't an isolated incident either. Yeah. And, and I, I, like I said, it was the U.S., but it was really happening all over Canada, Brazil, Russia, the U.K. And I like the fact that we're talking about this now because it feels like the monoliths to me. Yeah. Oh, uh, one, 100%. Social media gets a hold of something. The regular media gets a hold of something and people go, that's a hell of an idea. In yep, one way or that, another, and they so start true. perpetrating. It, it, it becomes viral. It's it's no longer the person who is doing it. It's it's now just any Yahoo who wants to throw on some uh, pancake makeup and, and, and a big red nose. Well, in this one, it was kind of an interesting thing because they did find places where they were on Facebook and Twitter and groups were trying to plan events and meetings and 
tomfoolery and shenanigans. Now, this was also around the time that the new It movie was coming out. And a lot of people, like you kept saying, was it a viral campaign? A lot of people said they thought that maybe this was a viral campaign that got out of hand. And they just said, it movie. nope, I'm not going to. We washed our hands of it and never really we had nothing to do with that. We fired the <laughs> we fired the marketing agency. We are done. <laughs> yeah. And so places literally at that time started banning, started banning clown costumes at events and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Do you remember it as well as I do? Yeah, I do. I remember and I remember I mostly remember cars and, and getting seeing videos from cars of clowns literally running from the forest towards the cars and multiple across multiple locations. So it did take on a life of its own for a while. And it's just the, it's the it's the it's the personification of scary. I mean, a clown running out of the forest with a knife towards your car. I would. Well, the you know what's surprising? I know people just were trying to be creepy and weird. And I I um. It's surprising that one of the clowns didn't get killed. Right, like, right. You you do that to the wrong person. See, they because guess what? They're in a two ton vehicle. Right. They're gonna run your ass over. Right. I guess anyway. that fight or flight. You know, it's just exactly. Uh, it just takes over. Um, yeah. But not, not. We're not excusing killing clowns. I, I want to be clear about that, everyone, <laughs> right. especially you, Seabot. On that note. Something that has always pissed me off is a clown skull is indistinguishable from a regular skull once you get all the meat off of it. That is no. Uh, I mean, okay. yes. That's probably that's probably a good place to wrap this. Brent, let's let's end with this. We'll each we'll each give our thought on it. But why do you think clowns are scary? <laughs> the human condition has made us take something that is joyful and loving and turn it dark because that's what yeah. we do over and over and over again, no matter what it is. It's true. It's true. Uh, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. The only other thing I would add is uh, I think they are more easily used in scary settings because of the trust or the, it, we allow clowns at the circus to come up and, you know, push our hat off our head mm-hmm. or, you know, tie our shoelaces together, like little, little things. And we trust them because we know that it's, it's a safe place. And all they're going to do is uh, a, a little uh, minor annoyances. They're just going to be that, that jokester. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, that trickster, and and then when the trickster comes up and 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 starts with in in some cases doing violent things, um, that trust has been violated. Yeah, right. And also, we don't all float down there. That was a lie. That's just bullshit. Right now. <laughs> Brent and I went and looked. Yeah. Didn't happen. <laughs> uh, real quick, I know we're going long. I just want to throw. There are a lot of good clowns out there. There are a lot of people that do this for the right reasons. Clowns without borders is a thing. They they're helping people all across the world. It's a good thing they're trying to break the stigma. So if you can, just realize that if there's good in the world, someone is trying to manipulate it into something gross, period, full stop. This is just an example of that. We are pro-clown here. Yeah, go to Clown College, get yourself uh, an act. Also, if you want to see a good clown turn bad in that portrayal, watch Vulgar. It is a VSQ, uh, Kevin Smith Universe adjacent movie. Uh, it, it it's not going to be easy to find, but it is a fantastic movie and well worth it. Oh, watch. nice. I haven't seen it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, very much so. Uh, if they want to talk about clowns, though, where's the perfect forum to do so? The perfect forum to do that is Hysteria Nation. It is our Facebook discussion group where we talk about the topics of the week and a whole lot more. Just go to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Odd I would have went with the men's urinal for the perfect place to talk clowns, but whatever. <laughs> 
He's just in for the glory holes. Also, Facebook.com slash Hysteria51Pod. That is our Facebook page. Patreon, Patreon.com slash Hysteria51. If you guys... All right. We are at uh, 115-ish. And for $1, everyone gets a uh, fullback catalog. You get to listen to everything. It is today. This is going to go out on the 4th of January, New Year. If by February, the end of February, we have hit 150 people, John and I will do a Zoom where we put on clown makeup. <laughs> I'm a voluntarily, voluntarily. He just volunteered me for that. that. <laughs> What's that? I said you just volunteered me for that. You got you goddamn right. I will even send you the grease paint. Don't worry about the branding and why it doesn't have any labeling on it. I'll send it to you and you just use it. Just you'll send me the grease paint. Great. Yeah. Or, or maybe Brent will wear a clown makeup and I'll eat something that, that you guys vote on. That's uh, like uh we'll do a we'll do a a, a cafeteria fifty one. Like, like a clown. Uh, maybe it'll eat a clown. We'll figure it out. You could vote on a clown like well. Uh, maybe a pig dressed up like a clown. Anyway, you'll vote on it. You all, you all seem to enjoy it when we eat gross things. So vote away. So and pick by the end gross. of February, if we get to 150 different patrons, if not, no clown for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll probably still eat something gross. Right. Voice bell seven seven three six six nine seven two seven seven. Again, that's seven seven three six six nine seven two seven seven. If you forget any of these links, hysteria fifty one dot com. Tell a friend. Tell a loved one, tell a hated, tell a clown that you heard about him on here. And don't forget also to visit the show links to find out more about Linda and where you can read and learn about her. Yeah. And and look out for her new book in March. uh, If you're in the States here, Um, the, the last thing I want to say nation, you might be listening to this and in hysteria nation and we don't know it. And you are a clown. Like you, you might moonlight is that, or that might be your profession. Let us know. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about it. Yeah, we I know of one for sure uh, that's a, a, been a, a professional clown for a while. Uh, so, yeah, you, you're not alone. It's funny. Someone was like, uh, one of my favorite things is someone posted, we had a thread, and they said, uh, it was post something that you think you're the only member of Hysteria Nation that's ever done this. And one guy, and I'm, I, I, I'm so sorry I'm forgetting your name, I was like, I know I'm the only person on here who's ever won Jeopardy. <laughs> and uh, someone that we went to college with did also. And I'm like, nope, literally you're not. <laughs> like, how random is that? Like, we won an episode of Jeopardy. It's always somebody else. Yeah, you're like, son of a bitch. Who's <laughs> <laughs> in there. So, anyway, those are our thoughts. Yeah, let us know uh, all your favorite clowns and favorite uh, favorite flavor of Fago. You know, we'll keep yeah. on brand. Favorite clowns and favorite Fago. There you I, go. I, that's perfect. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. <laughs> oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod.
You've been listening to a fourth-hand shine.